Hello and welcome to a French Football Weekly, the podcast that without fail gives you content each and every week. Okay, all right, fine. Okay, fine, whatever. All right, we didn't we didn't do anything last week. I'm sorry, dear listeners. Uh, blame me and Jess because yeah, stuff got in the way. Sorry about that. But we are back this week, and we're going to do our very best to cram in as much in the next 45 minutes as is humanly possible. Therefore, I shall introduce my two panelists and we'll get right to it. Phil, Jess, good evening. Good evening. Hello to you both. So uh, we're not going to go through the results um, game by game from last week. I will, however, quickly run through the results of this past week and then we're going to try and encapsulate both games into our reviews as we go. So... On Friday, Montpellier, unfortunately for uh, Phil, lost the Phil Rich derby as Ren came out on top by four goals to two. Martin Terrier. Montpellier's goals were better. Well, no, that's, that's a small win. Um, they had come back from 2-0 down. Uh, Thierry and Bourigal put Ren 2-0 up before Onyongo and why he had equalised and then Gaetan Laborde, who else, of course, got the penalty to make it 3-2 and uh, Lovren Mayer with the clincher on the 84th minute. So good result that for Rich's boys. Uh, Strasbourg and Nice uh, ended in a nil-nil draw. Nice ended the game with nine men. Justin Cliver and Dante were both sent off, but Strasbourg couldn't break through. Um, probably would have seen that's a bit of a missed opportunity with Dante sending off just after the halftime whistle. Benitez making six saves there, really, really good. I think they're nine under their XG for the season. He's been fabulous for them. Yeah, he had a bit of a wobble, didn't he, at the start of the season? He seems to have got better as the weeks have gone on, so good to see him back to form. Um, speaking of back to form, PSG put their uh, not troubles, which we'll mention in a minute, behind them last week as they ran out 3-1 win, uh, winners over Saint-Étienne, who, to be fair to them, uh, even though they lost, uh, did perform pretty well. They actually took the lead through Dennis Buanga, and then Kylian Mbappe did Kylian Mbappe things. I would have to say um, he's taken a lot of stick um, this season. Some of it granted and justified, but I thought Leo Messi was very good in this particular game in terms of his assisting uh, two mm-hmm. glorious assists for both Mbappe goals, which once again were were pretty good. Uh, Dinelo Pereira also making up for his error that cost the opener uh, getting a back post header in the oldest Sunday league style you could imagine, right beneath the crossbar from a yard out. <laughs> uh, so good win that for PSG. Uh, speaking of good wins, uh, Rams, uh, rather surprisingly, um, p- pinning back Monaco, having been a goal down to Wissam Ben Yedda, Kevin Volland put the ball into his own net with six minutes to go, and Mbuku popping up with a 93rd minute winner after Jean-Lucas had seen red in stoppage time for Monaco as well. Big win that for Rams. The equipe headline, Monaco sabotages themselves. I think that's probably summed up what happened. Quite apt. Yeah, (laughs) quite apt indeed. Um, Another good win for Lons as well. They came from behind to beat Angers by two goals to one. Pod favourite Angelo Fulgini put Angers in front before a Mendion goal. And that man who just can't stop scoring from right wing back, Jonathan Klaus, with the winner uh, with 14 That's to go. Angers' fifth loss in a row. Oh, I'm coming to them, don't they you? They are tumbling. Yeah. Yep. I think you need to, as good as Benitez was for Nice, you need mm. to look up to Angers' goals. Yeah, um, fair point. The Petrovic, two long goals. I think possibly it was the sun, or he'll say it was the sun, but yeah, could definitely have done better on both. And the first one is just... Hilarious, like um, 
sequence of errors. Yeah, the leads um, to the own goal. <laughs> really, although Mendy will be recorded as having the own goal, it's really not his fault. No, he did his very best to to prevent, and um, it all went a bit wonky. Uh, two goals in three minutes, um, ending that game, and uh, Cho was also dismissed for Angers, their, uh, their young up-and-coming talent. So, unfortunate that, uh, but a good win for Lons. Wasn't many goals about in the afternoon, but the clearly the biggest goal of the weekend came in the uh, Breton derby between Brest and Lorient. Uh, Lorient getting three points. Um, new record for uh, new signing Ibrahim Okona. I, I can't remember the exact terminology, but something like the first player to score um, within seconds of coming off the bench twice in a season since some ridiculous year. He's basically come off the bench and scored twice since he's joined. Uh, and as uh, a massive three points for I'm not convinced he meant it this time. I see. I, 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 I thought the same. I must admit, and I watched it back again earlier and, and I, I think he did. I watched I, it back and it made me even more certain he didn't. <laughs> OK, so and I went the other way. So we'll, we'll meet in the middle. But um, but to be fair, that to, to create the space was was a very good piece of you know they say like good strikers always know where the goal is yeah look at him looking around he hasn't got a clue where the goal is no it it is very much (laughs) a put your foot through it and hope for the best type of scenario but i did like the movement to to create the the space um chardonnay we should say was sent off for uh for breast uh making a tit of himself sorry i had to uh claremont and bordeaux ended in a one-all draw uh Point that doesn't really help either side. Uh, Julien Gilavogi, uh with the opener for Bordeaux equalised by Rashani for Clermont and 1-1 draw there. Uh, Metz and Nantes ended in a 0-0. Again, not the ideal one for you, Jez. Uh, Vincent Peugeot sent off with four minutes to go and Nantes obviously continuing their decent run of form. Uh, Trois and Marseille, 1-1. Yikes. Uh, Marseille are having a bit of a time of it. We will touch on them shortly. Uh, they conceded a 90th-minute equaliser to Tuzgar after being in front through a Dimitri Payet goal from the penalty spot in the 28th minute. And finally, uh, Lyon nil, Lille 1. Um, we'll start here. Why not? Because we're not going to go too much in depth because the game wasn't it wasn't maybe quite what I'd hoped. It was a decent watch, don't get me wrong. But uh, Goodmanson's back post goal after a defensive lapse from Leon uh, was the deciding goal. However, Jez, I'm going to ask you on this one because I know Phil hasn't seen the game in full. Um, great win for Lille. Uh, and <clears throat> excuse me, we should give them some credit because I think we all said on this pod, you know, a few, just a few short weeks ago that weren't quite sure whether the, the sort of the Lille project and the Gouvernet was actually going to go anywhere, but they're up to eighth now and beaten in three. Uh, and although Leon's form has been patchy to, to be polite, it's still a very good away win. But the story is, isn't... I think Lille are unbeaten at that stadium. Are they really? Great. Well, there's, there's a, there's a record. There's a, isn't it weird how some of those records just run and run for years. Um, but yeah, full credit to Lille and we will give them credit. Well, I think I just have, but, the story wasn't really that, was it, Jess? 90, was it 89th or 90th minute? There was an incident. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, just give me your version of what you saw and where you think Clement Turpin's interpretation came, having seen the, the review on, on the VAR screen. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, first of all, it should be said that uh, Jardim, the, the Lille goalkeeper, probably kept Lille in the match. I mean, the, yeah. their goal came from a a bit of a slip from Thiago Mendes, which didn't help. But um, Lyon were the better team, had the better chances, and, and it was Jardim who, who was doing very well to keep a clean sheet. And then, as you said, the back pass to him, he basically completely fluffs the ball, 
um, sort of accidentally knocks it away from him rather than either putting his foot through it or controlling it. And Paqueta is kind of um, bearing down on him, um, sort of cuts in between him and the ball as he loses it, um, gets the ball, slots it home. No Lille players are complaining at all at first. Um, the goal's given. And then Sheka decides to, to have a bit of a hissy fit. Then Tupin has a look. And we were discussing beforehand that I'm not as convinced as a lot of people that it clearly was not a foul. I'd like to see it a few more times to try to come to my own conclusion. But the fact remains, firstly, that Jardim had long lost the ball. Um, so it wasn't like Paqueta fouled him in order to take the ball off him. And secondly, um, the fact that it's at the very least debatable makes you wonder why Tupin should go to the screen and then reverse his own decision. It wasn't, absolutely wasn't a clear error that he needed to correct. Um, so, you know, Lyon attempts, things are not really clicking there. Bosch is not doing a great job. Is it because of transfer policy or whatever? I don't know. But, um, you know, he also has had a few pretty bad um, pieces of luck. You know, remember the, the Neymar penalty that never was, things like that. And then this one as well. I mean, it's not, yeah, drawing at home to Lille is not going to really help them in, in their quest to, to scrape a Champions League place. But um, at least it keeps one of their sort of direct competitors in touch, or I think even below them, and, and you know, one less team to overhaul. Um, it's So this this makes any chance of getting into Europe even harder, I think. But um, I feel a little sorry for Bosch. And I know a lot of people, a lot of supposedly neutral fans will probably say, well, you know, chickens coming home to roost. Leon have had enough things go their way over the years. But... That's not how football's supposed to work, and and he'd be entitled to think that there's some been some diabolical decisions gone against them this year. Yeah, and I, I do, I do agree. Like as I say, I, I've seen the incident a number of times. I tweeted my thoughts. I did think it was a ridiculous decision. I think the main the main reason I thought it was a bad decision is just I, I, I can understand in play definitely in play I was like my god that's a keeper Rick and I was actually going to come on this pod tonight and say uh, has anyone got a spare Mike Magnon clone because Lille really need one because they're having an issue with goalkeepers but as you say Jardim kept the, the team in the game as you right said you know kicks through the ball misses hits the ground Paqueta scores um, my issue really was the fact that they showed it on the VAR screen now, I watched it on BT Sports, so enough said. can never be too sure how many times they actually showed it. But on the, the footage I was watching, they showed it no fewer than nine times. Um, and I just felt that the more you saw it, the more clear it was that he just slightly misjudges and kicks the ground. And then in the second phase, you could deem it to be a foul. I just, there's something about Turpan's um, demeanour. And I know you shouldn't judge on looks alone, but he just... Do you know what I mean? He just carries himself like a a very self-righteous referee. And I don't know. It's not any first. other type of referee. Well, well he no, that always looks to me uh, like a slightly scared, uncool lycée student. Yeah, the, the student thing that you can imagine him in a tweed, tweed cuff jacket, couldn't you? 
I don't know, there's just something about him. And you're right, Jez, absolutely. I can't think of many referees who are quite sort of nice, down-to-earth, humanly faux-friendly people, like, you know, to look at. But I don't know, Turpin just... He gets some big games and he's made some big errors. And I, I just thought this one was a, a poor decision. Um, I can't remember the... who it was, but someone sent a tweet last night saying, thank goodness we got VAR to um, stop all the sort of arguing and debate after matches. Yeah, yeah, very, <laughs> very good point. Um, one other question, Jez, and then we'll move on because I know we have got a lot to get through tonight. But um, very quick question. Um, does uh, Bosch survive the season? As in beyond the season. Point in not letting him survive, but I just think, you know, every week that he hangs on, there's less point in getting rid of him, but I can't see him surviving the summer. I was going to say, I phrased that badly. What I meant was sort of beyond the summer, you know, regardless of where they finish, does he does he stick around next year? And I think you've answered that. And I think I agree. Uh, Phil, we'll move on to PSG because, you know, we have to talk about PSG. Um, so we'll rewind, we'll rewind the clock. We're going to do kind of three and one here. Um, we'll, we'll maybe talk we, about Europe in a second. But Four in one because that's part of my theme. Yeah, we can do four in one. So, so the three games that I can think of here are the the Real Madrid game they won one 0 which we'll touch on in a second. They lost to Nantes three one and and could conceivably have lost seven one. I mean, they were utterly appalling in that game. And and you know, full credit to Nantes who played very well. But my God, PSG were bad. And I then... have a slight issue with that after after Phil. Okay, no worries. I will I will swing your <laughs> way after Phil. Um, and then they went back, as I say, where they beat, beat St. Etienne at the weekend. To be fair, again, like I said, from the off, I thought St. Etienne were actually very good. And uh, they had a, a couple of good opportunities to maybe make it two. And had they have done, we might have been uh, might have been an issue w- with that. I think, by all means, you, you go for glory here. But all I would say is, without Mbappe, which is a realistic possibility in a few weeks' time or months' time... Yep. I, I worry about this team because there's not a lot else going for it other than a few very good messy assists. But, you know, there's not a lot else going on, is, is all I can say. Well, that's where I want to take us back a game further. Because two weeks ago in the league, it took a 93rd minute winner from Mbappe to beat Rennes 1-0. In the Champions League, it took a 93rd-minute winner from Mbappe to beat Real 1-0. And then not. And this was a very strange game. And you saw not went 3-0 up in the first half. And you could just see the look on the PSG players' faces going, how is this happening to us? Mm. And then we had Neymar came out, 47th minute, he gets one back. Okay, they're motoring, looking good. And then he misses a penalty, whereas Messi missed a penalty against um, Real. And he, he you saw... <laughs> Yeah, it was. I I likened it to you know in the warm up where the goalkeeping coach is like mm. putting shots at the keeper, making them feel good about themselves. Yeah, like eminently savable shots, and that was exactly what this was. Now, I actually think that was the least 
difficult of Lafont's uh, eight saves, which won him uh, a 10 out of 10 from Lucky, I believe. Uh, but everybody got booked late on because you could see the frustration building. Um, it was just like, well, Ren kind of didn't try to score. Real kind of didn't try to score. Uh, Courtois, obviously, I don't know what mark he got in the keep, but he pulled up eight saves as well in that match. So this was a completely different set of circumstances where Nantes were actually pouncing on their chances. And if you look at the possession, it was 72% for PSG. But when you look at the shots, it was 13 for Nantes, 16 for PSG. Nantes were taking every chance they could get, and Lafont was absolute wall at the back, and it was a wonderfully different way of playing PSG. And obviously with the, the penalty, the red card for whoever caused the penalty was cancelled. Leonardo was furious after the game. The ref looked really sheepish. But it was like, oh, that's what you've got to do. And it was a very, very strange set of results for them. And then they went on to play Saint-Étienne, who obviously aren't happy season but as you said they weren't bad but now PSG's last result is like oh everything's fine no it's mm. not look at those previous three results and tell me it's fine it isn't and like you say if Mbappe goes in the summer he was the he was all of it in mm. the Real match He's, he's a match winner, isn't he? terrible. <clears throat> yeah. And so that is going to be a very, very interesting uh, development to see what they do if, I say if, he goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's very well put. Um, Jez, you've probably got your own things you want to say in your own sort of... Um, your own style, your own topics, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, I just want to ask you, I mean, I'll just ask you one question. I mean, is there any way that, that Mbappe does stay? I mean, I know they're negotiating and there was talk that players, certain players have been pr uh, promised to him. Um, I mean, I guess the argument would be, what, what does he get from leaving? Whereas he gets quite a lot from staying in terms of like, are Real Madrid in any better shape than PSG are? But, he he is right now. I think it's fair to say probably the best player in the world right now, and his stock has never been higher. So he has full control here. Oh, don't even don't <laughs> even get me started. <laughs> Where where's your thoughts on on him and PSG? Um, I think he. I think it is probably not unreasonable to say he's the best player in the world right now. I think in terms of whether he stays or not, it's interesting that yesterday. I can't remember if he equaled or went past. Um, I mean, he at least equaled, but I can't remember if it was the first or second goal. So he might have gone past Ibrahimovic as the second highest goal scorer in PSG history. And um, he, sorry, not yesterday, whenever it was, Saturday. Um, and in, in the sort of post-match 
comments to journalists, he did talk about wanting to potentially beat Cavani or overtake Cavani as the highest scorer. And he's currently 44 goals behind. So I think some people have pounced on that to, to say that, you know, possibly there is the door is ajar at the very least for him to stay. Um, in terms of what you said and what he sort of got to gain and lose, I think um, although he sort of doesn't seem as loved as some players, there's no, there's no doubt that he's he's he is well as, as Phil said. I mean, he it's almost a one man team this season. It's not even just the last three matches. It's been like that for most of the season, I think. And um, so I think maybe PSG fans are starting to kind of learn to know what they've got before it's gone and Real Madrid yeah I mean it's a team he's a club he's always wanted to play for it's you know the everything that goes with the the name and and the history and everything um I'm sure he'll get a very nice salary there which I'm sure PSG could at least match if they wanted to um I think it depends what he's looking for because I think Real Madrid are are at least as much I, I I keep saying every year, I think PSG are a team who sh- in, who are either in transition or should be in transition. And I think one of their constant failings is they don't realise that they're in transition and they're still not dealing with the issues they need to deal with. I think Real Madrid are in transition and clearly their main project and build our projects around Mbappe. Um, if he's got the shoulders to to deal with that and the the faith in everyone at Real Madrid to to build a good team around him that that will go on to to win everything, then I th- I do think it's probably time for him to make a move. Um, you know, I, I, there are things that have happened in the last year for France and for PSG that make me think that it would do him some good to to just challenge himself elsewhere. But PSG, apart from the constant failings, are genuine Champions League contenders year in and year out should be. Um, and he's at the centre, if not, you know, if he hasn't been made the centre of the project in the way that Neymar and then Messi has, he knows perfectly well everything is does turn on him. And so um, I could understand why he'd want to stay in that, in theory, PSG have got the means to, to make themselves the best team in Europe. And, and he would be crucial in them sort of getting to that goal. Um, in terms of the, the last three matches... I think it's it's slightly harsh to put the Real Madrid match in the same bracket as as Ren as the three league matches because it is Real Madrid. It was Courtois kind of um, well, it was basically the whole match was basically Mbappe against Courtois really. Um, well, Verratti was very good as well, um, and. It wasn't, you know, his 93rd minute goal wasn't kind of Mbappe saving PSG's blushes like it usually is. This was more Mbappe's 93rd minute goal giving PSG the victory that, frankly, they deserved. So I think it's slightly different. But the other matches, I think um, everything that Phil said is right. And and the issue with Nantes, the Nantes match, firstly, yeah, on Messi, he was diabolical, I thought, against Real Madrid. In other matches... The problem with Messi is that he's done absolutely nothing since he's been at PSG except provide 10 assists, which is pretty good going. But that's that's the thing. He You expect more from him, but maybe he's just at that sort of age or pace now, whatever, where, um, you know, he can still find match-winning goals more often than not. 
but is going to do absolutely nothing else. And, you know, I can think of a certain team in northeast France that would be happy to score any goal, however it came. So, you know, there's that's not to be sniffed at, but you expect more from him. And the problem is, actually, I thought against Nantes and against Saint-Étienne, there was some relatively decent forward play. Um, but the problem is, again, with Neymar coming back and with Mbappe, Messi and Neymar, if you play those three at front, the whole team is completely split in two. Um, and so Nantes, firstly, as Phil said, like good for them for having the guts to do what other teams don't. But all you need to do is get past that front three, which isn't exactly the hardest thing to do if you've got the ball. And then you've got sort of a, you know, an open avenue to until the, the final third. So great having those three and great having Messi doing nothing except provide assists and Neymar, when he can be bothered coming up with a nice back heel to set up a goal before the most laughably bad penalty ever. But um it's it destroys the balance in the team so for all the benefit that they bring they bring lots of problems to the team as well and I think that was as much as not having the guts to go for it I think that was the problem against not that not other not all PSG not all other teams have had the luxury it sounds crazy but not all other teams have had the luxury of being able to play PSG with Messi, Neymar and Mbappe in the team because actually that team is you might um, sort of be in more danger of conceding goals, but you're a hell of a lot more likely to be able to create chances for yourself because it's going to be so easy to set yourself up on attacks and, and especially counter-attacks because you know that the front three are going to do absolutely nothing to try to, to press you and even less to, to sort of come back and help out their defence. I think um, you've talked to the Barstairs about, you know, the money spent means that PSG have to play certain players. And even though Messi didn't cost any money, he costs money. He is a money player. And that means that it's very difficult to leave him out. But as many people have been pointing out since he got there, at Barcelona, everything was built around him. At PSG, everything has to be built around him, Neymar, and Mbappe. And that means that you're going to have a guy who isn't as fast as he used to be, who maybe was, wasn't was that fast in the first place. And he's kind of a bit lost sometimes. I mean, that Real performance, he got three in the keep. And yeah. I mean, we, they're harsh, but three is harsh. Very, very harsh. So it's kind of they are hoist by their own financial petard. Um, as they have been for several seasons. Is it a they case? Are, but I also think they're hoisted by their their Galactico petard. Yeah, that's the irony. Decent enough central midfielders and defensive midfielders and things that are there. And yeah, Barcelona, I think it worked for Messi because, as you said, everything's geared around him. So he's got you know, nine other players doing his running for him. As PSG, they've, got, they've only got two or three players who cannot be asked to run around at the best of times, let alone 
cover for Messi walking everywhere. It's just it's just a case of I think when we look back, we were all excited by Messi's arrival because it was, you know, arguably the greatest player of all time coming to the league that we all follow. And you know, I think it's fair what to about say Mohamed Salah. Stop it. I think it's fair to say he, you know, he's been a, a probably below par six and a half out of ten at best. Um, he has been unlucky, you know, he has it crossbar and post many times. He has had some very good moments and he did look really good. That signs that Mbappe link up is there or is coming. So, you know, that maybe he's saving his best for the Champions League. We shall see. But there it just feels like to me, it feels like three into into, into one doesn't go. Um I still think then, we should say four with Di Maria. As well, well, I was gonna say, I was just 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 gonna say Di Maria not even included, who I think arguably if you had Di Maria one side best to the other and Mbappe to the middle, you'd arguably have far more balance than you get now. And of course, the missing man in all that is Neymar. Um I was talking to someone last night about this who's a, a Barcelona fan. Um, and uh, Joel was saying that he's saying he, Neymar should never have left Barcelona because the irony is that he left Barcelona to be a star in Paris. And then Messi rocks up. And once again, not only is he now the second star of Paris, he's arguably now the third choice star of Paris. And that the problem I, I want, like genuinely, and I don't know if you guys feel the same, I want to see the best of Neymar because it. In, on his day, in his pomp, he is a wonderful footballer to watch, but we just don't see it enough. And and he's so petulant. And you know, Nantes got all about him in that game, as as any team with a brain does get in his head. And he's half the player. And I don't know. I just I, I wonder if if you've given El Khalifi the money now and said, right, you got a choice. You can either go back for Neymar or you can have you know Mbappe for a longer contract or you could have had a Haaland or whatever I do just wonder or, if, or even a Vinicius Junior would he have gone for the younger model and um, maybe sort of gone with something that could be moulded into Haaland does look like a PSG player a lot of people say he's like a robot he, he's got I think he I would have he'd have the Zlatan effect wouldn't he in terms of he would just be a proper line leader I still think he's a glorified Les Ferdinand <laughs> <laughs> that's why we'll leave PSG on that line but um, yeah well, can we just before we do I just want to add one more thing about the Nantes match and, and yeah. Phil alluded to it with all the yellow cards at the end I thought that their behaviour was was disgusting and, yeah. and this kind of sense of entitlement that you know everything should be going their way Palois arguably should have been sent off for yeah. the foul on, on Mbappe um, yeah, I'm not even sure he was booked which if that was the case that is crazy um, the penalty that was overturned was never a penalty and they were right to overturn it. But I um, can't remember who it was now. Whoever it was who was on a booking, he should have been booked later on and wasn't. It was so, up here, wasn't it, I think, Stephen? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I agree that they can be a little bit annoyed about those two things, but those two things did not turn the match. I'm sorry. No. And the petulance was a disgrace on the pitch but what was even worse was Verratti and Leonardo afterwards kind of suggesting that all the referees are against PSG and what was even worse than that I think is Lecky playing their game and actually running articles afterwards about our PSG mistreated by refs you know if I really could be asked and I had the time I would love to go through every match this season <laughs> and a number of disgraceful decisions I you know I mentioned the one earlier the Neymar penalty against Lyon that's crucial only because obviously it's more fresh or significant in my mind um 
two or three disgraceful decisions that all led directly to PSG's 93rd minute winner against Mess, for example. But there's so many others. And um, yeah, I obviously it's not going to happen, but I think some kind of book should be thrown at, at least Ferrati, if not Leonardo as well. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see Verratti, but Leonardo's um, French language um, post-match on being was petulant well, in the extreme. I don't know what language Verratti <laughs> said it in, but to use the French or to translate from the French and to excuse my French, he said the referees shit on us. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, the lack of self-awareness of when things go against you and, uh, you know, ultimately, like you said, decisions, they go for and against, but you do you do notice a pattern um, and this has nothing to do with me as an Arsenal fan, but you do start to get the feeling that, although I don't believe in conspiracy theories, there are a couple of decisions that go against certain clubs and go, you know, against all certain clubs and go against other clubs. And you just think... Really? Uh, yeah, I just wonder if referees have a bit of a thing in the back of their mind, you know. Um, anyway, before we go down a dark, deep road with that one, let's move forwards. Um, we're going to do a bit of cramming here in the interest of time to get through things. Um, I want to just touch on the bottom end of the table uh, as a whole, so we're not going to pick on any individual teams. And believe me, I'd love to talk about Lorient for a whole 15 minutes, but I'm not going to be allowed, apparently. So, no. um, <laughs> But I think it's fair to say Lorient were the big winners of the weekend in terms of the bottom end because the well yeah that's a good point actually um but their win away at breast uh puts them up to 16th um i'll save on jeff for you phil just the question i'll put to you because i know you want to mention what happened with mess last week which feel free to do so um st etienne's loss puts them sort of back into the mire there's four clubs level on 22 points now bordeaux bottom st etienne mets and Trois 22 i Feel free to mention that incident with Mets, but the question I'm going to put to you is, do we go as high as Brest now? And there's no euphemism there. Um, in terms of Angers, we'll come on to, but Rams losing, uh, sorry, winning this weekend, um, but only 31 points and Brest losing to, to Lorient. Then there's a five-point gap to Montpellier. Do we do we go that high? I mean, is there is there enough from the bottom end teams that could produce the results to, to clamber up the table? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's any chance of that. Not fair enough. Um, I think Clermont and Angers maybe should start looking, or Angers should start looking over their shoulders a little bit, but um, no, mm. I, I still think it's between the bottom five. Okay. Um, yeah. And what was your what was your thoughts on this Antonetti falling out? Because there was a big, for those who didn't see, there was a big hoo-ha um, last weekend um, in the Mets game with... Scratches memory bank. Leal. Thank you, Leal. Uh, all went off at the end. Antonetti was sent off. Um, you you just had a bit of a, a point to, to make on this one. Yeah, well, this goes, this touches on uh, certain clubs being treated better than others as well, and certain people being treated better than others, I think. Antonetti is a Corsican hothead. Obviously, he's got into trouble a few times. Obviously, the authorities don't like him. Um, but and obviously Mess are a little team who don't get as many breaks as certain other teams near the top. Last week, no, no. Firstly, Mess on the pitch, the way they're playing, do not deserve to stay up. They've tightened up at the back, which is great, but they just don't look close to scoring. They've scored two goals this calendar year. Um, even Messi, I think, has scored more than that, maybe. 
um, not good enough to, to stay up, clearly. But last week, on paper, a draw away to the reigning champions is a decent enough result. But first of all, um, right near the start of the match, mess player put through on goal and the referee calls it back for a non-existent foul. Second half, a clear handball from Botman. No one, you know, no articles in Lecky mentioning that, for example. Um, and then at the end of the match, um, because Lille weren't happy with a couple of decisions, which actually, to be fair, the ref had a nightmare and, and they were right about those decisions. I think it was more like one of their players getting a stupid a really harsh yellow card which they didn't deserve and then the free kick not being given in their favour but it wasn't like on the edge of the area or anything like that. Um, Olivier Leton, sporting director and um, Sylvain Armand who has got previous for causing fights with other clubs um, Phil might know because he did it against Montpellier earlier this year. Oh, they yeah. shouldn't have even have been pitch side. Not only did they go down pitch side to start having a go at the fourth official and the ref but they did it from um Antonetti's technical area um and there are uns unsubstantiated rumors that Armand may or may not have insulted um, yeah. Antonetti's wife who died last year after an illness so Antonetti was obviously wrong to come to blows with Armand of course he was um but he got a 10 game ban and Armand and uh, Leton between them, I think it's something like six matches suspended, not with, yeah, altogether. And anyway, what does that even mean for two people who shouldn't be pitch side? Um, so again, it just feels like complete double standards, ridiculously harsh um, call against Antonetti. Um, all it's done is sort of um, kind of federate or mess fans behind Antonetti and actually be a bit pissed off with the club for not sort of publicly supporting him a little bit more but I don't think he's complete again he's got previous and you know earlier in the season he said that you know he's never been robbed anywhere as often as at Lyon for example and clearly there's lots going on in football and certain teams get the rub of the green he he you know alluded to Chouameni's ridiculous um uh, sending off last week which almost helped Bordeaux to a win against Monaco for example I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that over the next few weeks we may see Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne get the rub of the referee in green more than the likes of Metz and Troyes for example um, it suits Ligue 1 to have those two clubs in the top flights rather than little Metz and Troyes um, yeah. So I think he's got very good points. You could say he's silly for mentioning them. And obviously they're going to be gunning for him if he does say that kind of thing. But actually, maybe it's about time someone did say it. And kind of going back to what you said earlier, I think that um, I understand how refs probably subconsciously, you know, if there's a decision they're not 100% sure about, they may, might err on the side of the bigger club because... Um, you know, an atrocious decision against PSG will be the front page headline on Lekip for the next two or three days. An atrocious decision against Mess will be sort of hidden away on page eight if it's mentioned at all. Like I said, the bottom and handball last week wasn't even mentioned. Um, so I do get it subconsciously. So I don't think there's a conspiracy necessarily. But, you know, let's be fair, there's a hell of a lot of money riding on football at all different levels, all different 
interested parties, stakeholders. Um, yeah. 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 Fair point. Fair point. It's hard to, hard to disagree with any of that. Um, and Phil, you wanted to talk a little bit about Jack because they are in uh, Brentford-esque yeah, freefall, I, I, five straight defeats. I don't have a lot to say. I've just got five losses on the spin. If anyone is going to drop into contention for relegation, they are they are the ones who look like they might do. Everyone below them is at least picking up some points. Clamwell have had some good results. South Etienne before the past couple of weeks had some good results. Angers just look lost. And I don't know if this is because they thought they were safe, so it'll be okay. Everyone stops trying, but mm. seriously, start trying, lads, because this is not looking good. No, we're not. No idea if they lost. I'd say to that is that apart from the Saint-Étienne match, and they've got Ren next, which doesn't help, but they've all been against sort of top five or six teams, and even the Marseille, the five-two on paper, it looks bad, but. They've been very much in touch in all those matches. So, yeah, it's by one wouldn't goal take a huge turn in luck to, to improve. Well, their next five away at Rennes, home to Rouse, home to Brest, away at Lyon, home to Lille. So, you would say the two that stand out there are the two home ties with, with Rouse and Brest, not just because it's two potentially winnable fixtures, but two clubs in and around where they are. So you would think if they can pull out, you know, at least four points from possible six from those two, they'll probably just put enough daylight between them all. Um, but yeah, and and if you if you look around, I mean, just 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 at the two closest rivals, those being Clermont and and Lorient. Clermont's next five fixtures away at Lille, uh, they then host Lorient, which could be massive. Away at Lens, uh, home to Nantes, away to PSG. That's a tough run of five fixtures. Yeah. Um, and then Lorient have got, uh, they got Lyon next Friday, which that's an easy three points. We'll be fine there. Uh, away at Clermont, uh, home to Strasbourg. Then we go away to, to PSG, home to St Etienne, which on paper that game on the 9th of April could be absolutely massive as well. So, yeah, a, a lot has to not change, but a lot of things have to occur for Ranger to be really properly, fully sucked in. But if that run of defeats turns into six or seven, um, panic stations will be well and truly underway and, and the fact yeah, we have I think it's, it's well. about whether their heads have gone at this point yeah as you say those were tough runner games but if having taken no points from the last five um that could well be something that continues and yeah. I know they're five points above Lorient on 16th, but it wouldn't take much given that, you know, as you say, they've Clermont, who've had some decent results recently and have seemed to be kind of pulling themselves out of the mire. They are, they are the bad form team in Liga, and that could mean uh, problems yeah. as we have the last 12 games to go. Agreed. Agreed. 
Okay. Um, quick look ahead to Coupe de France in a second. Just before we do, we're going to go and probably discuss PSG in Europe next week because we'll be ahead of the next game with Real Madrid. So we'll probably uh, try and set aside some, some time to preview that game next week rather than cram it in this week. But just to say, the draws have been made for the Europa, Europa Conference League and the Europa League now. Uh, Marseille will play Basel, or Basel, however you pronounce it, the Swiss team. Um, and that first game is on the 10th of March, so next week. The Swiss and team. The Swiss team. Well, you know, that's... Some people say Basel, some people say Basel, don't they? But anyway, Basel, we'll go with Basel. It depends whether you're in the German-speaking or the French-speaking part of the Swiss country. We'll go, we'll go with... Well, I mean, the thing about Switzerland, I mean, if nothing else, the flag is a huge plus. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Uh, Leicester face Wren. That one looks, on paper, quite fun. So, um, yeah, that one could be decent. Those two first legs on the 10th and the second legs on the 17th of March. Best manager in the world against the best manager in manager the world. Manager in the world. Mind. Yeah, very good. Like that. Brendan Rodgers versus, yeah. Um, as far as the Europa League goes, uh, we've got Lyon and um, Monaco flying the flag for France and the Principality, if you will. Uh, Braga is Monaco's destination in Portugal. Again, 10th and 17th of March for the away leg first, followed by the home leg. Uh, Leon Porto it looks quite fun, sort of a Champions League, um, Champions League arrangement of old. Um, seven uh, five forty-five kickoff on the 9th of March, and the seventeenth is the follow-up in Lyon. Uh, the home tie being at, uh, or the second leg being at home, may well benefit Lyon. Should also mention that Spartak Moscow have been uh, expelled from the competition based upon upon what's going on overseas in Ukraine and Russia, etc. At the moment, so uh, RB Leipzig are if they haven't already been likely to be given a buy in that competition. So it's one less team to uh, play out their games. Uh, so just before we do, in fact, let's do Coupe de France now, and then I'll let you know what matches we've got to come. So, Phil, Coupe de France. Coupe de France basically will have a preview arc tomorrow. The semi-finals are this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I just wanted to ask you, and this will not be you know, the dispassionate football analyst commentator thing. Who do you want to win? Nice or Versailles? I think we're all going Versailles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, Chris, shh. You asked. want Versailles to win? Sure. Well, the magic yeah, but- of the cup. Yeah, but the problem is I don't really want Nantes and Monaco. I'd like to see Nice win the cup. So for that, yeah, I want, yeah. I want whoever wins that match. Yeah, the so there you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the other semi is Nantes v Monaco. I'm going Canaries. I'm going Monaco purely because I think that's the only thing they have any possibility of. No, winning. I'm thinking emotionally, Chris. Don't think about it. Don't be logical. Okay, I'd like to see a Nice Monaco final. There you go. I said it. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, you did okay. ask. <laughs> okay, Jess? Hey. Canaries or... I want Versailles to win the whole thing, but if they don't win, then a Riviera derby would be a cool final. Thank you. That's... Yeah, okay, that's... See, this is what happens, Phil, when you don't put Laurie on as the pitcher for the podcast. I just go against everything you say. So that yeah, this is the lesson we will have to learn. I'm just I'm just trying to broker a Versailles peace treaty here. <laughs> I mean, you know, a Nice Monaco final would be fun. 
So, you know, but but I, I agree. If I, if I can handpick a winner, Versailles would oh, be Oh, come fun. on. If Versailles got into the Europa League. Oh, that would be fun. Can I you mean, imagine? Especially like, if... Yeah, we can't play the game at eight o'clock because you can't have the lights on there. Yeah. It's too noisy. So we've got people out on there even. Three o'clock. Yeah, I think it, find would, a, it would. A pool in the palace big enough to host. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Meant. Wouldn't it be great as well if like Barcelona were still shit housing it in the Europa League and they got Versailles and they'd have to bring all their superstars down? That would be. That would be there great is, fun. I just a- think it would actually be joking fun aside. if you had to play in the garden, you know, yeah. around the fountains and the yeah. hedges and the, the center circle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There Sorry. is a semi-serious point here that the match should be at their side, but it's actually, or they should be the home team, but they've conceded the home yeah. advantage if you want to Nice, because in the whole Ile-de-France region, so the whole sort of Paris and its wider environs, they no one would accept to, to kind of host them. I think Lens tentatively did, which already is, you know, really far away. PSG were among those who, who refused to, to allow them to use their home ground. Yeah. Yeah, for, that's for shocking. Bit. I I <clears throat> thought it was the whole curfew thing. Well, that that might be why they can't play in their ground. Yeah, um, but they sort of asked other clubs in the region of various sizes. Come on, Red Star. Why didn't they start? Oh, that's very sad. I want Versailles to win even more now. <laughs> As I say. If if I had the choice of who to win it, fine, I go Versailles. But but the idea of a Nice Monaco final, if it's a proper final, none of this like you know, the whole like yeah, I don't want a nil nil or one nil in the ninetieth minute. I want a proper final. So speaking of finals, actually, we you don't and yes, bring a goalkeeper on in the 89th minute just to you know see how things go. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> take a goal kick, you know, it's all good. Um, we should mention actually, I've just remembered, uh, I think you know, speaking of finals, um, Parc de Prince will hold will host the Champions League final now, uh, as a result of Russia being in uh, no fit state to do anything right now. And, and the less we say about that country right now, the better. So, I'm going to say nothing about them. Um, bring on Paris in the summertime. Anywho, um, I was waiting for PSG to be knocked out so he can say. I that. was just thinking that, yeah, when, when that got announced, I thought like. You can take PSG out of the Champions League, but you yeah. can't take the Champions League out of Paris. And you know what will happen now? Like Real Madrid will go through, Real Madrid will win it in Paris, and Mbappe will be on the next flight over. It'll just it'll all line up perfectly, won't it? Anyway, uh, we shall see. I say we will preview that um, PSG Real Madrid game uh, next week. I'm sure we can make some time for that. Fixtures ahead then. Um, this weekend, a couple of good games this weekend. We got so uh, Lorient against Lyon, which clearly is the standout fixture of the weekend. Obviously, uh, that's the Friday night at eight o'clock. I shall be watching from behind three sofas. Uh, Lons against Brest. Uh, all of a sudden, has a little bit to it because Lons want to continue that European push, and Brest will just not want to be looking over their shoulder too much longer. Four o'clock Saturday. Uh, nice PSG. The two things don't go together. Of course Ooh. not. It's Nice PSG, of that's, course. But um, that's the game. Yeah, that that one. Well, we say that the last time they met, it was anything but the game. It was awful. <laughs> but but um, yeah, that has the potential. We can hope. We can. That's the eight o'clock Saturday. So a nice game would be good. Um, speaking of big games, uh, Jez will be um, getting the snacks in or. 
again, hiding behind seven sofas as St Etienne host Mets. Uh, that is massive for, for both clubs, um, you'd have to say. And um, we've lost two mid two more midfielders as well. Oh, you'll be fine. You 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 put your boots on, Jez. You'll get a game at this, right? Um, that one's the Sunday midday game. Uh, well worth a watch that one. And then, as if it wasn't a big enough afternoon for the, the clubs at the bottom, sure it won't be well worth a watch. <laughs> no, no, that's probably fair enough. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Bordeaux Trois probably won't be worth a watch. But equally, um, a lot of uh, a lot will come off the back of this game. You suspect if there is a winner in this game, um, if Bordeaux win, then it pulls Troyes closer to, to the bottom, and then if Troyes win, then Bordeaux are in all sorts of further trouble. Uh, Nantes against Montpellier, a little bit of sort of mid-table action, but one of those games that could be a, a bit of fun. Uh, Rams against Strasbourg, two clubs at very different ends of the table. Uh, Strasbourg looking to continue their European push. As indeed are Rennes, the aforementioned, as we mentioned, they do host Angers. And if Rennes do win that one, uh, have a look around at the other results to see where Angers end the weekend. Uh, Lille hosts Clermont. Um, Clermont, I think, would anything from that game would be a bonus for them at this point. And uh, Marseille are uh, on telly on Sunday night. So uh, tune into BT Sport for all your Premier League updates in that one. Uh, Marseille Monaco. It does, to be fair, usually produce a fairly decent watch. So that's uh, seven forty-five on Sunday. Um, I think we've done well there in just about just over forty-five minutes. We've we've pretty much covered two weeks worth of action, and uh, most clubs have got a mention there. So. I think that's where we'll draw a line this week. As I say, we will endeavour to uh, preview the PSG game with Real Madrid next week uh, in the Bernabeu, of course. PSG leading 1-0 from the first leg. So uh, all eyes will be on that particular game, which I think is next Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So we will preview that one next week. We'll also look back at the weekend that was and uh, see where all the shake-up is. We know the title is gone. Um, but that chase for European spots and chase to stay in the league is very, very much on. So we will be across that. Um, that's all for this week. Uh, just before I do go, um, we're not a political podcast. You know us well enough by now. But I think it would be remiss of us all to not say that thoughts and prayers go out to those affected with what is currently going on uh, in Ukraine and, and some of the awful scenes and uh, some of the tributes this weekend uh, have been genuinely quite touching in, in the football world. And I know we can all get a little bit doe-eyed and maybe a bit wrapped up in things that we don't fully understand, but it's just something quite nice about a whole stadium rising to a, a player of a nation and giving their support. And um, if you yeah. haven't seen it, the, the, the Roman Yuramchuk one for Benfica, I, I did have something really, really bad in my eye watching that one. That was really quite, quite emotional so uh yeah if you happen to be in the ukraine or if you have any you know any sort of links to that country or indeed you just have a have a heart which i like to think we us three do um then yeah godspeed to everybody involved and we wish you nothing but a safe return back home hopefully and wherever you're headed to in the meantime again safety first so that's all i wanted to say on that one um phil thank you very much for your time this week thank you and uh, Jez, thank you very much for your time as well. Thank you. Uh, good luck to Mets at the weekend. But if you could make sure you don't bet a Lauren's result, that would be lovely. Right. Uh, until next week, then. Uh, stay safe wherever you are. Uh, look after it, yours. And enjoy your French football. We will speak to you very soon. <laughs>